Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. That's the relationship we have with him. That's what our love for Jesus is all about. It's his desire that we would know how much he loves us. And when we understand that, then we understand why we love him the way we do. It's because he's shown and demonstrated that love. Robert, thank you for that message and the reality of what it means to know that we have a Savior that gave his very best for us. He did that with the early church in Jerusalem. And everything always worked out fine for that congregation. They never had troubles. They never had problems. Nothing ever went wrong. Everything went right all the time. Is that right? Everybody in this room knows better than that. That's not the way reality is. If you have your Bibles, I want you to be sure that you open to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts this morning. We're going to begin by reading verses 4 through 8. Acts 8, 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I want you to mark that down or maybe even underline that in your Bible. That's an important passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it one more time. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. And look at that last verse there. Look at verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day for the truth of your word. We thank you for the message that you seek to share to each one of us. And begin with me, Father. Uh, you help me to understand the message that you would have me share of the truth of your word that's in this passage. But open our hearts, Father. Uh, there you go, that we may see. Robert could sing that one for us too, couldn't he? And we understand what it means, Father, for your word to impact our lives, and I pray that that would be what would happen with each of us today, that we would understand just how much you love us and the price that you've paid to draw us to you, for that is the gift of your Son for us, for he paid the price for our sins on Calvary's cross, and we are present with you ever if we have trusted him as Lord and Savior and nothing Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. There's the deal, if you heard about it, in that first passage that we just read. That's the nature of what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You see it being lived out in that Samaritan village. You see the people seeing and hearing and knowing. You know what? It's been my blessing. I'm thinking about this now. Uh, I, I know it probably seems like two or three years that I've been with you guys, but it's only, it's only been four months. But the message is pretty simple I see lived out in your lives. In you, I see on a regular basis the love of Jesus Christ in your faces, in your acts, in your actions, and what you're about. Excuse me, what we are about. Because we are the body of Christ, and we are called to share that good news. And that is exactly what we see. I want you to remember verse 4, though. I want you to look at that one more time. Because what it's easy for us to do is to fall into the trap 
that all we think about is Philip. Do you see that? Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere, everywhere, what? They went. This story is not about Philip. This story is about the church in Jerusalem and the message that they shared in the city that they were involved in. Every place they went, they shared the good news. That is what happened on this parking lot. Uh, what time did we start, Sarah? We started uh, 4.30 in the morning, uh, and we ended at about 8.30 at night, I think. I think that's the way it worked. Uh, it, seemed, it seemed like that sometimes. But you know what? That's what Nick was talking about earlier. We saw that. We saw people going around and sharing with people and talking with people and people sitting down together and communicating with one another what the love of Jesus Christ is all about. And that is the nature of what the church is to be. We are to be the hands and the feet and the voice of our Savior. And what we say and what we do, that the world would see and know, and that is exactly what we see going on in, in, in the 8th chapter of Acts. We see the church being scattered. You understand why they were scattered. <laughs> Some people think that it was all Paul's fault, but I'm here to tell you today it was all God's design. Have you ever tried to put a grease fire out? I tell you what, it's a good idea if you get grease on the floor, just go ahead and stomp on it. Don't ever do that, all right? I'm telling you this from experience. You know what happens? How many fires do you have now? You have multiple fires because every place you try to put that fire out, it goes someplace else. That is God's design. That is God's hand in our lives. When pressures come, and we feel those, don't we, in our lives and the things that go on around us, the problems that are ours, that we recognize that what God is seeking to do is use those experiences in our lives, those things that are seem so difficult, so overwhelming, he wants to use those in our lives to tell others about his love for them. That is what we see the church, those they, as they went, they shared that message of Jesus Christ and his love. That's how things start uh, with what we're going to de deal with today. I want to share this with you real quickly. We're going to talk about the real thing. That's the title of the message. 1985, April 23rd is a date I'm sure all of you wrote on your calendars. And always remember that date because that's the date that the Coca-Cola company decided to do something. And that was to change the recipe of Coke. See, there you go, right there. <laughs> Angela knows exactly what I'm talking about. They changed it because they thought the taste of Americans were changing, and so they wanted a new Coke, and they called it what? The real thing. You know what? It wasn't the real thing. And people could tell, you know, it tastes more like Pepsi-Cola. Now, for all you Pepsi people, get over it, all right. I know a lot of you love Pepsi-Cola, all right. But it, Coke tastes different. You know what, with my COVID stuff I'm dealing with still, I couldn't tell the difference anyhow. I couldn't tell the difference in Coke and, and root beer if you gave it to me. But the message is, most people could tell the difference. After seven years, something happened. You know what the people at Coca-Cola decided? We better go back to the old thing, all right? We better go back to what it's about. And they spent millions of dollars trying to sell people on something that they didn't want. What we see going on 
in this city in Samaria is the people finally, the people finally see and hear the real thing. What it means to know that God loves them. What, the, what it means to know that Jesus Christ came and died on Calvary's cross for their sins. And they loved him because they heard that message from a man named Philip. But before Philip came, there was someone else who was there. And his name was Simon. And I'm not talking about Simon Peter. This is a different Simon. Simon Magnus is his name. We're going to read about him in just a second. Matter of fact, we're going to do it right now. Look in verse 9, Acts 8, verse 9 through 13. For some time a man named Simon was practicing sorcery in the city and amazed, look at that word, I want you to remember that, and amazed all the people of Samaria. Notice what else he did. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. And they followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his magic. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the, don't you love this? When he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and of the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and Simon himself believed and was baptized and followed Philip everywhere he went. Notice that. What happened with Simon? He was astonished now by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Simon was a charlatan. He was a crook, and he tried to fool everyone he said. The, the word bluff, you know what, and I, I don't want anybody to claim they're card players here, but you know what it means to bluff? Bluffing means that you're doing something or proclaiming something that's not real, and, and you don't really have anything to go behind it anyhow. The word comes from the, I love this, from the Dutch word bluffing, all right? You can figure that one out. Uh, but but in, when we lived in eastern North Carolina in the spring, it was, would have been a couple of months ago, they had large groups of fish, sea trout, stripers, that would come down the coast right by where we were. And you could go out on a pier, and you didn't even have to put any bait on your hook. All you had to do was drop a line in the water, and you could pull fish in hand over fist. As fast as you could. That's some of you are fishermen, I know, and you love that. Can you imagine that? That's the way it was, all right? It was the way it was. Every now and then, you'd catch a strange fish, though. Uh, he wasn't a sea trout. He wasn't a striper. He was a fish that when you first caught him, he was probably about this long, and he had kind of a big round head, and he's called a puffer fish. You know what he does? He, he blows up. He makes himself appear bigger than he is, and that's exactly what Simon was doing. He makes himself bigger because he wants to intimidate. He wants to frighten those things that might try to eat him and make, him, make them think he's bigger and greater than they are. Do you understand what Simon was doing? Simon wasn't a great man. Simon just had some tricks that he did. And those tricks fooled people. Those tricks were all lies. They were all bluff. They were all old news that was nothing of any importance. Our world is full of of men and women who are always bluffing. 
always sharing something with us about how great things are going to be, how they're going to change our lives, how they're going to make things right. And all of a sudden we begin to see, well, that's a lie. That's not right. You haven't done that. You didn't say that. You did this. And we're not sure where to go or where to turn. God calls us to recognize in our lives in Christ that we recognize the message of the truth of the gospel, that it is the truth. What was Jesus' message that he shared with us? He shared it with the disciples and he shares it with every one of us. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I know you probably grow weary of me telling you that, but there's a message behind it. And that is the message that Christ wants us to understand. That all the other things that you see, all those other things that would divert you from what the truth is about, you find them in him. Philip understood that. Philip saw that firsthand. Philip trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Philip was a part of that group that knew and saw and heard what Jesus said and did, and then they saw the resurrected Lord. It may be that in our lives today as believers, some of us might say, you know what, I've never seen the resurrected Lord. I've never seen Jesus. I see him most every day in my life. I see him in your faces. I see him in the experiences that I have with you. Those times when we ought to be overwhelmed, those times when we ought to be totally despondent because things haven't worked the way that we think they should, and all of a sudden there's a hope, there's a joy, there's a smile, there's a message of the future that's in our lives, and that future is that we have life and we have it eternal in Jesus Christ, and nothing, no one, no way, no how is ever going to take that away from us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that hope, my prayer would be that you would just look around you and see those people that you may have known for years and years and years, that you know, know what this relationship is about. It's about trusting a God that loves you, who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for your sins, that you might have a personal relationship with him. Not about showing up at church. Why do we come here? Why do we do this? We do this because something makes us different when we're together. Now we're not individuals worshiping and praising God. We come and do it together and we lift up that message of what Christ has done in our lives. And we tell one another what Christ is doing in our lives. And we share that testimony how Christ has changed us. Nick was sharing that with us in Sunday school this morning. The message is pretty simple. If people don't see that in your life, most people are going to wonder if that's in your life. There's a call that we see lived out. And that call is, I think, for everyone who is here today that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I think about this. I want to tell you something I've never told anybody. I've never even told Karen this. And now she's squirming. And she always worries about these things. F.B. Huey is not a name you know. He was one of my favorite professors at Southwestern Seminary. He taught Old Testament, and he taught Hebrew, too. I, you need to know I was terrible in Hebrew. Uh, Greek I could almost handle, but Hebrew was really rough for me. But that's beside the point. Dr. Huey loved me, cared for me. 
And he gave me a book at the end of, he gave all of us in his class a book at the end of the message, at the end of the semester. Uh, and he wrote something in each of our books. And Dr. Huey wrote in my book this, to Bob, a great showman. That has worried me. That has bothered me now for probably over 30 years. Dr. Huey's gone on to be with the Lord. And when I, when I see Jesus face to face, I know Dr. Huey will be there. I want to come up to Dr. Huey. I said, Dr. Huey, why did you do that for me? I think there was a reason. I think Dr. Huey saw some of Simon Magnus in me. That name, Simon Magnus, means the great, the magnificent. He wasn't about sharing the message of God's love. He was about sharing all about Simon Magnus. If we find in our lives that our focus, our attention, our purpose, our very nature is all about us. This is a call for us to look, to look at Philip and see how God used him. Philip didn't stand out front for everybody to see. Philip put Christ right in the center of the lives of those he shared with. And everything he was about was about sharing the good news. And if you don't know what the good news is, we've been talking about it already this morning. And that is that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for your sins and for my sins. And that in him we have hope and life eternal. Don't put your faith in a pastor. Don't put your faith in the people who are around you. You put your faith in the same person that Philip put his faith in, and that was Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior. I'll let you down. I'll do something that upsets you. I'll hurt you. I guarantee you, if I haven't done it, I've told you this already, I'll do it at some point, I know. Because Karen would be the first to tell you, I am a flawed human being. I have all kinds of issues that are going on in my life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm proclaiming a message of Jesus' love for you that is not flawed, and it is the real thing. You measure what you hear. You measure what you see. You measure what's going on around you in the lives of those people who share with you, and you seek to discriminate between the reality of their faith and the way they live their lives. If someone tells you one thing and does another, you better stop and think, do I need to be following this person? Do I need to be listening to this person? Do I need to be voting for this person? We need to stop and think about what we're doing. But here's the thing. You have to have the answer. Philip had the answer. And it sure wasn't Bob Fulkerson, but it was Jesus the Christ. And that is what he shared. 
Know that you can discriminate between the two. Know that you can discriminate between the truth and a lie by measuring everything against the Savior who gave his life for you and died on Calvary's cross for you. Look at verse 6 again. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and paralytics and cripples were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Emotional needs. God used Philip to meet those needs. Do you see it? It's right there. Physical needs. God used Philip to meet those needs. Do you see it? God used Philip to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? We see it in Philip's life. These people in that Samaritan village give the message to us and say, what? What was the result? This is not an oh no thing. When people see us coming, do people go, oh no, there comes Bob. Oh no, there comes Mary. Oh no, there comes Bill. Or is there great joy in their lives because we share with them the hope that we have in our hearts? Your life is a reflection of how much Jesus Christ means to you. If you're defeated, if you're overwhelmed, if you're overcome by the world, what kind of picture are you showing those people that see you every day? In Christ, we could sing it, couldn't we? Victory in Jesus, we could do that because there is victory in Jesus over all those things that would overwhelm us because he is with us. Measure your life against the truth for Jesus is just that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Secondly, a lot of people are nothing but talk, nothing but talk. Forgive me, I'm sounding too much like Nick. Nick's a bad influence on my language, you know. Uh, look, look, at verse, look at verse 9 again. Now, for some time that man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. You see the rest of that? Look at it. He boasted that he was someone great. How many people in the world do you know have boasted that they're great people? Well, just a few. There's probably a number of them around today. Uh, Hitler wasn't anything particularly. He wasn't tall. He wasn't great looking. He wasn't a master general. You know what he did? He told people, yeah, there you go. You got it. He told people what they wanted to hear. As we search for our new pastor, you don't want a new pastor that's going to tell you what you want to hear. You're going to search for a new pastor that tells you the truth about God's love for you. That tells you what that message is to be and how it's to be lived in your life, in my life. We need to examine that and see Simon was about boasting about himself. Paul was not. Paul talks about how sinful he is all the time in every letter he writes how broken he was, how failed he was, what the problems he had was. But where was his faith? Where was his hope? His hope was in the Savior that gave his life for him. And what happens in our lives if we're not careful? We look at people that influence us and we think that this person is the best thing since life's bread. And I'm going to give it all, I'm going to do it all to that person. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, all that person wants to do is take something from us. 
They want to get something from us. And when they get what they want, they are satisfied. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ came on this earth not to be served, but to become a servant. And what does he call us to do? Exactly the same thing. You look and measure someone's life by how they're willing to serve you, not what you have to do for them in order for them to like you or love you or be there for you. We need to recognize what it means for us to give our lives and not fall into the trap of recognizing what someone does is great and overlook the problems that they have. Measure this is a rule that I have on what I, when, when I look at most people. Galatians 5.22, you know that. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I've known two ladies in my life that have exemplified that personality. And both of them were named Nancy. And there was something about those people that I was naturally attracted to. Because I'm a preacher. I think in my life, I, hey, I've got all this stuff covered. There's no problem with that. That wasn't the case. I want to tell you, you've got just a second, haven't you? Yeah, I'll, I'll make this one quick. One of my Nancys went on a mission trip with us. Nick, with close to 30 students, all right? We took seniors with us, and I asked this one couple, would you come help us to kind of keep tabs on us, help us with the meals, help us to do these things? And they said, yes, sure. And I said, I'd like you to choose one other family and one other couple, retired couple. And they said, yes, we'd be happy to. And we'd like to ask this couple. His name was Payne. Her name was Nancy. He was a surgeon, by the way, which was kind of a joke around the church. Uh, but, but her name was Nancy. And as soon as they told me that, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have a week and a half. She was the sweetest person I've ever seen. And she was about as southern as she could be. And she would call. She, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what she did. One day I was with the kids. And, Nick, I know it's hard to believe because I know this is not the way it is with our students. I was totally exasperated. Everything I tried to do went wrong. Everything went up, was down. We were having a terrible day. And I went in and I sought Nancy out. And she was in, she was in the kitchen. It was just the two of us. And I'll do my best Nancy impersonation for you now. She looked at me and she said, Bob. I love you. I love what God is doing in your life and how he is using you to mold these students. You know what I did after that? I found myself trying to be near Nancy all the time because I recognize in her the love of Jesus Christ. We are called to each of us live such lives. That's the truth. That's not a lie. That's not a bluff. That's not something that's an act. It's the real thing. In your life, are you living out the real thing? Or are you just so much talk? 
Christ calls us not to be talk, but to live our lives for him. And in living our lives for him, that the world would see Jesus Christ alive in everything we say and everything we do. That we know that we have that Lord with us to guide us and direct us. Finally, this morning, faith comes by the grace of God, not by anything we've done. Simon was amazed at the great signs and miracles that he saw Philip do. He was so amazed that he trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord. And said, You know what he did? Some of y'all can figure it out. What did he do? He joined a church. Do you understand that? Do you see it? That's what he did. He was baptized. He joined the church. But there's a message that's going to come up in about 20 seconds here that tells us something about what it meant for him to join the church. Walking this aisle doesn't mean anything if there's not a heart change, a heart transplant that's come in our hearts and lives. And that it's evident to the people around us, particularly to our family, particularly to those who know us the best, that they see the love of Christ being lived out in our hearts and they go, you're different. We don't make ourselves different. God's Holy Spirit creates a new heart in us. And that heart transplant changes us. And people are amazed. People are amazed. That, that's, a, that's a Greek word. Ek means out. Estasis means uh, beyond or beside or outside. You know what it is? Every heart talk to somebody about being something being outstanding or being out, just beyond belief, ecstatic. Our, our English word comes from that. That's what was going on in the life of the people in that Samaritan town when they saw Simon Magnus. What happened when Simon Magnus saw Philip? He was astonished the same word he was astonished by what he saw because he saw something that was real and something that was genuine and so what was his answer hope you have your bibles open you're going to find out now simon asked there you go simon saw look at verse 18 real quick simon said this saw that the spirit was given on by the laying on of the apostles hands he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. What was it that Simon was looking for? He was looking for a new trick to put in his bag. Do you see that? And how was he going to receive that? He was going to receive it by paying for it. If you're here this morning and you, you know what? I'm going to tell you this right off. You cannot work 48 hours straight in the parking lot giving things away and hope that that's going to be the source of your salvation. I want you to be sure you understand that. You know what you can't do? You can't reach into your pocket and pull out your billfold and give $100,000. Now, I'm going to tell you what, the finance committee and team would be, praise God if you choose to do that, but I want you to know why you would do that. If you get the idea that that's going to be the source of your salvation, you have missed the whole purpose. We don't do those things. We don't do those things to receive something. We have already received something, and that is the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. And that is why people stood out there in the blazing, that was a beautiful day yesterday, actually. I'll say the blazing heat. For all, Nick got a sunburn, all right? But, but that's why we did that yesterday. 
And that's why this church supports so many different ministries. That's why Robert and a choir sing the songs they do, not so people will simply enjoy the music, but that people might see what Christ's love is all about in us. That's the difference. And you can read it. I won't read it to you. You know, Peter, let, Peter just laid into it. Peter and John both did and told him. And Simon was flabbergasted. He couldn't understand it. If you're here this morning and you're flabbergasted by what it means to be great, amazed by what's going on, I want you to hear one final thing. Actually, I want you to look at Acts 8, verse 4 through 8, one more time. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to that city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid attention to what he said. Who's listening to you today? With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. But here's the thing. And there was great joy in that city. Think about your life. Think about what God is doing in you. How are people seeing the love of Jesus Christ in your life, in my life? That there is joy in them because what Christ has done through us. Father, we thank you this morning for the real thing. For the genuine love that you have for everyone in this room. And for the way that you have demonstrated what real love is all about. Very rarely will anyone give his life for a good man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.